well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool. What do you have to drink? Here, we aim to extend to all who may seek it disability-centered kink education. In doing so, we're going to be talking about different aspects of BDSM, leather, the kink community, the relationships and dynamics within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. We only speak from what we've learned and experienced in our own journeys. And remember, my dear friends, kink is customizable. Consent is the only requirement. Words mean things, but we also give them meaning. Remember, no kink shaming and no judgment. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. If you would like to support us or follow us, we are on Patreon at The Kinky Tavern. FetLife, Twitter, and Instagram, all at The Kinky Tavern. I'm also personally on FetLife at mdizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. Please do not friend me on that account. You can definitely follow me, and you can friend The Kinky Tavern, but please don't friend me on that one. That's for people I know. I'm also on TikTok at MixDizzySoul, M-X-D-I-Z-Z-Y-S-O-U-L, and on Twitter at Daddy's Dizzy Soul. D-A-D-D-Y-S-D-I-Z-Z-Y-S-O-U-L. And all of those will be linked down below. Yes. And you can also find me on TikTok. Yes, I have a TikTok. I'm never on it, but you can send me stuff. At uh, pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R. That is also my FetLife. You can follow me there or message me or whatever. I also run the Kinky Tavern Twitter, so... And I am on FetLife at Allen's World 111. Please do not friend me. Only follow me there. Those are for people that I know. On Instagram, Lord Allen Vidra. That would be L-O-R-D-A-L-L-E-N-B-Y-D-R-A. Twitter at Lord Allen 111. And TikTok, Allen's World 111. Please follow me on TikTok so that I can get to a live. Excellent. So please give us a follow. Give us a like and keep up to date on what we're doing with the Kinky Tavern podcast. Exciting announcement. Guess what, guys? We have merch. We all came up with some awesome ideas and designed them and Alan set up our store. We have the classic Kinky Tavern logo as well as some clever and funny sayings from our podcasts or just from our little weird braids. Our designs are available in shirts up to 5X. Now to get a 5X, you have to go to men's and classic, but there are 5Xs, which I'm excited about. We also have hoodies, tapestries, stickers, blankets, mugs, zip pouches, face masks, and more. So check it out. All proceeds go to our education fund, which helps all of us go to cons, go to classes, travel to cons, etc. So anything that you get will be helping us educate ourselves further to bring you more education on the podcast. The topics within this podcast are explicit. Listeners should be 18 and up only. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Mix Dizzy. And I am Pup Wrecker. And I'm Lord Allen. And today we are talking about roleplay. Yeah, roleplay. Basically, expert level improv. So, what is roleplay? It's basically playing a role 
and creating an illusion within the scene in order to fulfill a sexual or kink fantasy involving specific people, roles, and or situations. Yeah. Roles are often engaged within the DS community, dominants and submissives being themselves roles. But DS is not the same thing as roleplay, so it's a little different. So basically, roleplay can be experienced within DS, and DS can incorporate roleplay, but they're not the same thing or always found together. There are some people in the kink public who may actually look down upon roleplay as less genuine or less authentic, but always remember kink is customizable and it's meant to be fun. Why might someone participate in roleplay? What might they get out of it? So a lot of people use roleplay as like an escape from their normal daily roles or as an expression of self, and sometimes it helps to bring the fantasies that you have to life and mm-hmm. like make them like happen. Yeah. It can be something new and fresh, something that brings excitement and fun to the bedroom or even outside of the bedroom. Roleplay is not always sexual. This can be just for foreplay, like you can... I know a lot of couples will do the whole stranger at a bar thing and then go home and fuck um, or like get a hotel room and fuck. Uh, So this could be just for the foreplay or it could be for the full thing. Like you do a priest nun role play (laughs) for the full thing. This can explore your identities, roles, activities, and just things that you may not be ready to fully commit to, but want to explore. You can also use role play to experience fantasies, where you are being someone or doing something that you can't really do in real life for one reason or another. This one can include like the typical consensual non-consent essay scene. I mean, it goes further than that, but that's just a good example. I actually teach a little bit about role play in my How to Talk to Your Autistic Submissive class because role play can be a really vital thing whenever you're going into a kink space to kind of take your mind off of um, sensory overwhelm that you might be experiencing in that space to kind of bringing your attention to your role and to uh, playing that out. Specifically for me, whenever I used to go into dungeon spaces, which I don't as often anymore, um, I think somebody said is that uh, dungeons are for people who can't play at home. Um, I can play at home. <laughs> um, so Basically, I used to um, do pup space for like an entire night at the dungeon, and that would be my kind of like escape from all of the sensory overwhelm that I might have otherwise been experiencing. Um, So you can also use role play as a tool in some cases um, to help you either through your autistic meltdowns, or you can use it to, um, to, you know, help yourself within your space. Yeah, it can definitely be used for, as you said, a number of reasons that um, you may feel uncomfortable and playing a role would make you feel more comfortable, whether that be autism or anxiety or whatever that may be. Of course, as with all kink activities, you're going to want to negotiate. So just some things that you're going to want to, and this is of course not all inclusive, but just things you're going to want to think about if you're negotiating a role play scene. Uh, First of all, who's involved and who is playing what role? So if Rucker and I decide to do teacher-student role play, who's the teacher, who's the student? Is anyone else going to be allowed to come into the scene and play a role? Is there going to be like a principal or another student? Or And that all has to be decided beforehand. I 
have seen a few things here and there. I can't remember what social media now, maybe it was FetLife, but it was uh, talking about scenes where people were brought in without that negotiation. And that's just not cool. Yeah. Unless there's like a blanket negotiation, like, you know, which I have seen. I used to have blanket negotiations for certain friends and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could even do like, if you wanted to do like an anonymous type thing, you would still need to like vet the people, obviously. Oh, like an actual anonymous stranger thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I guess that would be kind of a role play because you are going to vet the people you're bringing in. Mm-hmm. So they're not actually like just strangers you don't know, but they are. <laughs> I mean, they are. Or can yeah, be. Like they are, but like you have to make sure. Unless you want that. Right. right. Yeah. But I mean, it's always good to like make sure everything, everybody yeah. checks out and all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then of course you need to negotiate what activity is being done and by who. Are you doing impact? Are you doing kind of humiliation? You know, is the student going to be the one who's in charge? Is it like, um, I've seen sassy, popular cheerleader girl and new professor or something like that done before. So you can kind of pervert it in a lot of different ways. You can flip the roles and genders and yeah. You also need to discuss, as we said, what role is being played by who. Most commonly, the role play lasts for the duration of the scene. Once the scene is over, the individuals kind of return to their own identities and roles through aftercare and kind of coming down. But some dynamics are based entirely or partially in role play. We talked about that in 1950s household dynamics a lot. I don't know that I'd call it role play anymore, but it kind of started as role play with our daddy, dom, little goblin thing we've got Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. And it kind of allowed me to open up to more of that little side that actually is in me rather than just playing a role. No, yeah. So, yeah. So another thing you need to talk about is kind of something I brought up earlier, what safety precautions are being taken Mm -hmm. and who is responsible for them. You need to make sure that you're getting your STI testing done and like whether you are wanting to fluid bond with them or not or how you want to go about that. Everyone make sure everyone's wearing protection if that's what you need or just what all needs to be done. You also want to make sure that whenever you cut yourself, whenever you are uh, moving a zip tie from a role play situation, that uh, you need to organize how you're going to come out of the role play too, because it might just cause you to go into a huge emotional tirade. Mm -hmm. Not like that's ever happened to me before. No. Just hypothetically. Yeah. This is all just hypothetical, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you do need to have like contingencies in place, honestly, for what's going to happen if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's an episode I have on the work in progress page to work on what to do when something goes wrong. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about that a little bit um, before on the pod. I don't remember what episode, but I remember talking about mitigating as much risk as possible. I mean, we talk about it a lot. Yeah, true. (laughs) It's always good to have some kind of protocols in place just in case something goes bad, depending on like what you're doing. Obviously, if you're playing with knives, obviously you want to be a little extra careful and have precautions just in case someone does get cut, just so you know how that goes. Especially if they're very sharp. Yes. I mean, you got to have them sharp. That's true. You also need to negotiate what topics or behaviors or activities 
etc. of her role play may affect other people negatively or may affect other people at all. Mm -hmm. uh, consent should be gained from everyone who may observe your role play and see it as role play. Now, I feel like I personally have varying views on this because I feel like if daddy takes me to Build-A-Bear, as long as I'm not acting overtly not like an adult, like, you know, I feel like that's a valid thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I also feel like there are, you know, I don't think that I should be walking him on a leash through the pet store to look unless we have a specific time. In fact, we set up a time at a pet store one time to have oh, yeah. that exact experience of having pups, pets, pet players experience shopping in a pet store as themselves, as their pet selves. So yeah, it's, you should just make sure that you are taking into consideration that there are people around, um, if there are, and how that might affect them. Being in a play space is typically expected to be some type of consent to a certain range of what typically happens there. I definitely think that participants of more extreme types of role play should still seek out consent. Uh, as we've said before, even if just by announcing the topic being played with, so that if there's somebody that may have a trauma around that or just not want to see it, they can leave. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't necessarily do it there unless it's against the rules, but just be cognizant of how you're affecting other people. Yeah. And also be respectful of people doing the scenes. I mean, if there's something that you see happening and you're not okay with, and like you didn't hear them announce it or anything, don't like interrupt their scene. Just kind of look Walk the other away. way. Yeah. And because I mean, there are a lot of things that are allowed at play spaces that you may not be okay with but the dungeon allows that. So mm -hmm. there's not really much you can do about it. Um, so just be mindful about how other people play. And Yeah, for example, like um, I am not able to watch the CNC SA type of scenes um, that often take place. That's a big fantasy for a lot of people that they like to play out. And thankfully, the dungeon that I most frequented one of the things that actually they did right was that that would be kind of announced unless it was like primal night or extreme play night or something like that yeah. and so i was able to remove myself before i you know was negatively affected by that negotiating when when is this role play or power exchange taking place as we said how long is it going to last is it going to be just the scene is it going to be a week trial of something that you may have interest in doing permanently or like, you know, 24 seven. And I did kind of, I just realized cause I haven't read this outline in a while. I did kind of put them into who, what, when, where, why, how. Um, so I think that that kind of can help you organize it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It kind of just covers your bases. Make sure you've got Pretty much as much as you can nailed down about what is going to happen, basically. Mm -hmm. Because it just, it really sucks to be mid-scene and be like, oh shit, I didn't ask them about this. Mm -hmm. They're not in a space to consent one way or another now. It happens uh, all the time, yeah. sadly. And it, there are just things you get through negotiations and you and don't for the, think about it. And sorry. yeah. 
for the record, if you do get to that point in the scene and you're like, oh man, I didn't ask them about this, do not ask them about it now. They are not in a place to consent. Move on without doing that thing and stay within the parameters of your negotiation. However, there will be some times that situations come up that you're not prepared for, and that happens. But if you negotiate thoroughly, you should have a good idea of what's important to this person. And so, like, for example, if someone were to be in a scene with three tops and one bottom and they cut themselves as a top, it could be assumed that one top should take care of the top that cut themselves and one top should take care of the bottom who's tied to the chair. Stuff like that. You can just kind of think on your feet, but it's better if you have negotiated thoroughly to kind of know what's important to those people. So where? Where is this scene going to be taking place? Again, who might be around that would need to consent to observing it? Where on your body is off limits or consented to? Where on your body should extra attention be paid to? Either due to preference or disability. And then why? Why are we doing this? What are you trying to get out of this? What is the motivation for the scene? And that again can kind of help with some of those decisions when it comes to the scene and more detailed negotiation. Yeah. And it helps to know all those things so you can figure out how to best do the scene so that everybody gets what they need out of it and you can get whatever you're trying to fulfill done in the best way possible, mitigating any risks as possible and making sure you're accommodating to any needs or disabilities or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so that you can all have a good experience and just make sure it all goes as well as it can Mm -hmm. and mitigating as many risks as possible on the way. So if something bad does happen, which not always does, but sometimes does, you have a protocol for that. Yeah. So on to the how. How do we communicate in scene? Is it going to be plain language? Is it going to be the stoplight system, one through ten? How can each person end or pause the role play if needed? Each person needs to be able to do that. If the top says a safe word or says, hey, we need to stop for a second um, and talk about this, or I'm at the point that I can't continue or whatever, you need to respect that from top and bottom. And then how are we ensuring safety within the scene? This is where we get into the more risk mitigation kind of stuff. This is, of course, person and body specific. It is activity specific. It also depends on the amount of experience you have. The amount of experience you have can help you mitigate more risk, but it doesn't make the activity itself any less risky. I feel like an experienced top is less likely to have something happen because they have learned how to mitigate risk. Yeah. Having the extra experience helps, obviously, but that's not always a guarantee that we're not going to have like any problems or anything. But it always does help to have the experience of playing someone with a certain disability or they have a certain type of skin or anything that you could think of, really. I mean, that's unique to a person. Mm-hmm. It can help you work through things if things go wrong. Yeah, learn how to be flexible. Yeah. And then we talk about how we are expressing our roles and creating the illusion. 
Is this going to be just in the way that we're acting, just in dirty talk? Are we going to have costumes and accessories? Is there going to be a whole ass backdrop? I know that there are some dungeons that have these amazing little rooms and like one could be like a, oh, what do you call it? Like a Dexter room and one could be like a medical playroom and yeah. I've heard that at some places they have like portable like kill rooms basically is what they call them. And it's just basically like a plastic sheeted room that has like a table in it or something where you can do a bunch of blood play in there and it's easy to clean up and those are real nice. But there are certain dungeons that have like themed rooms that can be specific for a certain type of play and that can really add into like your whole role play aspect to it rather than having to set something up. Sometimes dungeons have something already set up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes they'll have like themed nights. I saw recently on FetLife something come across my page where they did something very similar. They set up kill rooms and they put like butcher paper up. Hmm. And then like the, I think it was more than just blood, but there was like messy play. And so oh, it kind of, nice. yeah. yeah, you got to take that home as a souvenir and it helped with cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> Here, take this trash home. Um, <laughs> it's art now. But okay. So what are some of the types of role play? They can be elaborate or they can be spontaneous. They can be planned out for months. I mean, literally, I have done a kidnapping scene that was talked about for months before it happened. Because that one, you kind of want to be a surprise. Um, Or at least this person did, this bottom did. And so we had to plan very carefully how to make it a surprise while also it all being negotiated. Mm -hmm. so it can be accessorized you can use material objects to create the scene or it can be entirely imaginative like we said with kind of the stranger at the bar thing that can be entirely imaginative you can just be yourselves in the clothes you came in and whatever or you could dress differently than you normally do you could dress as a businessman and i i don't even know what kind of people would meet at a bar? I, I don't know. I don't go to bars. I'm not saying like what kind of people because I, I just, I don't go to bars. That's not my yeah. safe spaces. I, I, I mean, I don't either. So <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, it can be either with a lot of material things and accessorized or it can be imaginative. It can be very, very serious. It can be very somber, especially like we're talking like religious play can take on a very serious, can, doesn't always, take on a very serious and somber tone. Other types of play can do that too. Or it can be really, really silly. Mm-hmm. It can just be goofy and fun and... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is play. Yeah. So it's meant to be some kind of fun, at least. Right. And I mean, I'm not saying that the somber scenes or the more serious scenes are not fun because... That's a different kind of fun, I feel like, when you take something very seriously. And like like rituals for me are very serious, but they are they can also be fun. Mm-hmm. So, and once again, it can be a short scene, or it can be 24-7, or it can be anything in between. Just to throw out some more examples, we talked about teacher-student. We talked about like the cheerleader or the bully, uh, but you could also have like the nerd or the bullied student or like we said like the new professor or something like that as the bottom you have the boss and the employee 
You have babysitter and dad. I actually saw a scene at NWL. They were role playing a waiter and a mm-hmm. chef. Nice. And um, was beating him with a uh, like a dole whisk mm-hmm. and like beating him with like kitchen implements and then making him say orders out loud. And if he got them wrong, he would demote him to busboy. I love that. I Gosh, fucking that love is very that. Fun. And I want to do that so bad with my chef now. Right? That is so fun. Really fun. We also have, of course, the typical master and slave. And this is not necessarily talking about MS dynamics and relationships. So there is a type of role play within that. We talked about at the beginning. DS is not necessarily the same as role play. But you can do a shorter scene or even like a week of being a master and slave or a domestic servant or maid or something like that. Uh, you can also do sex worker as a role, handyman and housewife. There's photographer and model. You can do des- domestic servant uh, or a maid role play. There's the criminal and cop or some kind of authority figure and the criminal thief and the victim. Those are kind of more serious ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, kidnapping. It's a very serious one, but can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we get into like maybe like pirate play or like clown role play. Yep, Carney yeah. or clown. So you could do like a uh, a ringmaster. You could do a clown mm. and a ringmaster. That would be a fun role play. Mm-hmm. I've seen a chef and somebody's platter. So somebody was like a human platter for like sushi one night. Ooh, yeah, I like see. a night around me scene. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, and then um, I'm trying to think about like some quirky one. Ooh, Colonel and Private. Mm-hmm. There's that one. Yeah, those do sound fun. There's also like monsters and vampires, um, or you can go the opposite way with librarians or virgins, mm-hmm. strangers, as we said, porn stars and producers. Um, you could do like the calling couch situation. Oh, yeah. Casting couch. Casting couch. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it didn't sound right, but <laughs> you could, of course, do a royalty role play, or that can just be your life. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You can role play as like a celebrity and paparazzi or a celebrity and fan. You can do like a superhero, supervillain type stuff, characters from stories or movies uh, that you like, video games, books, whatever. Yeah, you can, that's very common. Yeah. Yeah. You can even, if you're going into that, you can even do like a cosplay aspect to it as well. Like dressing exactly. up as the character. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, you could be like a billionaire and their date or their toy, their hired sexual friend. <laughs> that sounded like I was trying to make it sound less sexual. I just was trying to. An escort, maybe? Yeah, I was just trying to cover that they could be hired for damn near anything if they're a billionaire. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, I really like the musical Town. So, I really want somebody to dress up as Hades. And then I want to be Eurydice. And then we do the little, um, hey, little songbird bit. Um, If anybody knows what I'm talking about, go and listen to this freaking song. It'll make you come on command, I promise you that. It's not even a sexual song. It's just that his voice sounds so good. And it might just be mm. me being an audiophile that, like, that's what really does it for me. But goddamn. 
I mean, I get it. There are Hamilton songs that don't necessarily turn me on, but they they get me in a fighting mood or they get me all silly and I don't know. It just, yeah. (laughs) There's also like flight attendant and pilot or flight attendant and passenger. There's medical play, which could go so many different ways. You could be doctor and nurse, doctor and patient, nurse and patient. I've seen people even go as far as like having an actual phlebotomist be their top and do things like that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you could also have like the musician and their maestro. I remember when I was taking private lessons from a hot shot music guy in town. He was very, I can see that turning into a sexual situation. And it did with some of his students. Um, Not with me, thankfully. But yeah, it was very, it just kind of made me feel bad because I wasn't doing things right. But he was really mean about it. Oh. Yeah. And it was a private lesson, so it's just me and him in his office. <laughs> yeah. There's also like, uh, like you said, military and uniform. Yeah. Of course, be cognizant that your role play is not going to affect the people around you. There are people who might have issues with seeing someone in a police uniform. I don't believe that that kind of role play should be in public spaces at all. That's just something that can be very traumatizing. There are a few types of role play I feel like that. Like you were saying, be hyper aware of your space. Make sure they know that if you're dressing up as something like that, or if you're dressing up as something a police officer, that you make that known. Mm-hmm. And let them know what area you're in so that people can like move about and not be interrupted by your Yeah. And again, personally, and this is my personal opinion, I don't think that things like Nazi roleplay and police roleplay, specifically like, you know, dressing up as a United States cop or something, that kind of thing can probably stay private or in spaces where it is just people into that kind of play. So if somebody's doing that in a dungeon, like the things that would go through my head are like the amount of caution that the person is taking before they actually this sort of activity is what really matters to me whenever it starts getting into it, is like, are you taking the consideration to go and tell your dungeon masters that you're about to be doing? Are you asking mm-hmm. your dungeon master to be the least while you do scene? Right. Things of that nature. So I think it really does matter of the intent that you're going into it with. And if you're going into intent of, I am not trying to harm anyone from, I have this pre-negotiated, I'm not going to be wearing uniform around like anywhere, like this is just right. for me and this person. You can do it on a private night, that's great. But if you can't, that should also be okay as well. Like there should be a space in which you do this sort of thing and not being by a bunch of other people. Right. And I feel like, because a lot of dungeons will offer private spaces where you can close the curtain or at least or close the door even and be able to do those things away from people. Some of them, I knew one that had a room that was just a little bit larger so that you could have maybe a handful of people who might want to watch in there. Yeah, it just, it really does matter how cognizant you are and how prepared and open-minded you are to look at how your play might affect others. And that doesn't just mean thinking about it from your own experience. That means doing a little bit of research, talking to the people around you. And like we said, this can be like military or like, you know, Nazi or cop, or it could also be 
religious play. It could be age play. It could be gender play even. I mean, depending on how extreme you're going with it, of course, anything can trigger somebody. Anything can be a potential trigger for someone. But if you're going for these more extreme ones, uh, say you're doing like a humiliation, sissification, forced feminization scene. I know at least a handful of people that used to attend at the same time I did at the local dungeon who would have had a, at least a week of like emotional turmoil and dysphoria if they saw something like that. And so it's just being cognizant of that. CNC scenes can be like that, can be a little more to the extreme. And it may not feel extreme to you. And by extreme, I'm not just meaning like extreme physical activities, like, you know, the blood play and like edge play kind of things, but things that are more commonly triggers for people. Incest play, stuff like that, you know, just, just think about it. Just be aware, just like... Um, if you're going to be in role play doing something that triggers somebody, just go tell your freaking dungeon master. Like, that is literally mm-hmm. all we're asking, is for you to go and tell your dungeon master that you're about to do this. Yeah. Just go up to them, tell them that you're doing this game. They might request that you do it in a more guarded area so that you do your scene without triggering anybody and just without having the hubbaloo about it. Mm-hmm. They might just scoff at you, like, why are you telling me? Yeah, they might just <laughs> scoff at you, and then you can be like, "Okay, here's here's why we don't do we don't do like the I did my part. We go up to the event producer, and then we tell them if they don't do anything, we take precautions ourselves." Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I can understand like wanting to go into the "I did my part" thing, um, but just make sure that you actually do your part and you really do try to face it safe for marginalized people because we don't have a ton of um so just be aware uh be observant and you know have fun do what you want to do just in a safe way and mitigate as much as you possibly can yeah and like like you said part of that would be if that dungeon master monitor whatever because i have actually had a dungeon owner scoff at me when I told them I was doing a certain type of play. So then what I did is, okay, then I'm going to go room to room and let people know. Uh, I'm not going to announce it within the dungeon. The dungeon is somewhere that needs to be quiet, but I'm going to let everyone in the space, in the public spaces know, hey, I'm going to be doing this scene in an hour. Please let your friends know. Then in 30 minutes, I'm going to tell them, hey, I'm going to be doing this scene in 30 minutes, just so I make sure everybody knows. Um, because I feel like that, especially in the place that I was in, like, I knew everybody there pretty much. I was able to walk up to the group in the room, in each room, like it was just one announcement in each room, kind of hold my hand up like, hey, I have a question if you could pause conversation for me and then announce it. So it really doesn't take much. And it's important to, as you said, make sure that anybody, but especially marginalized people can feel comfortable. So just the tip segment. I only have a couple written down, but I didn't know if we would have any others. Of course, we have try to stay in character unless something is seriously going too far or wrong. I mean, of course, if something, if you need to pause something or if a safe word is said, you know, you can definitely at that point break character. You should. But, you know, if, if you kind of fumble something, 
don't let it frustrate you like bring it into the into the character somehow yeah especially if you're doing like a more serious role play it can be it can be kind of hard to stay in character and keep that up or sometimes it's a little like it's real easy to get into the character but hard to get out of the character yeah that's so it, you gotta kind of keep a, a mindfulness about it to be aware that this is just a role that you're playing it's not who you are i mean if you want to make it that do that um you can but i just kind of be mindful of where you're at in the scene basically yeah, yeah. definitely um Another thing is, like, if you can only do silly role plays, that is fine. Like, (laughs) don't feel weird for only doing silly role plays. If you want me to be honest, I can really only do silly role plays because I'm going to laugh in the middle of them, irregardless of what's going on. I'm going to laugh if it's serious. I'm going to laugh if it's not serious. Alan's going to laugh if you're Mm -hmm. expecting them to do something. it's It's just a nervous laugh most of the time. But, like, you know... You're not a bad person. You're not, like, any less valid than anybody else who does, like, serious roleplay. And don't let anybody tell you that you are not a valid role player. Yeah, I find that it's always a little better. Even if you're doing, like, a serious type roleplay, if you can have fun and laugh about it and not take it too seriously, it it always helps kind of lighten. Yeah, I just, I feel really awkward with more serious roleplays. I've kind of always been that way. I struggle with role play in general personally, mm-hmm. but like there's certain things like I am playing a role as Prince X, but that's also kind of become just like a piece of me, a label for a part of me that has those feelings, has those thoughts. Of course I do play a role with it, but yeah, it just kind of kind of works into who I am. I mean, yeah, we could all kind of talk about like the fact that we all technically play a role mm-hmm. you know i'm lord allen wrecker's marquee wrecker and we stay with our roles or at events and stuff like that and you know like we try our best to stay in those roles we're not that happens that's fine alan yeah. might get grumpy and slip out and it's fine mm-hmm. but um yeah, I mean, we definitely, we like to play on the royalty, the royal courts quite a bit. And it's a lot of fun. But yeah, we are still just people, you know, just, just everyday people. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fun to do, but sometimes, like, if you're not having a good day or if something throws you off, I mean, that can mm-hmm. always affect it. But yeah, I mean, it's nice to have fun every now and then. Yeah. Actually, you know, I find that when I'm having a bad day or like especially a bad pain day, I I'm more demanding and less people pleasing. Mm-hmm. So that would probably be closer to the Prince X rule. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I don't do as much of the masking like a Prince X would do. Like you know the the little model hand wave. So we do want to shout out our patrons. Thank you so much to our customers. That cat. Sir Quill. And we also have Moon Goddess for our customers. Yeah, and then we have our regulars. Lady Katarina. And Dope-tastic Q. Thank you guys so Thank much. Thank you so much. Yes, you are definitely helping us. Actually, we are putting this money straight towards recording software that we're going to be able to use to continue to make this podcast the best that it can be. 
So thank you very much. Now, Daddy, would you please let us out with a daddy joke? Yeah. So, I went to buy some camel pants the other day, but I couldn't find any. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>